church as, as I texted our deacons and said, hey, I just feel like we need to do the Lord's Supper to start things off. Um, I, I've just been, I've been caught up. Uh, some of you may be wondering, you know, Pastor, we've been sung to while you were gone. That You're welcome. <laughs> but I have so delighted in being caught up in this reminder of what God's table is to me. I, 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 I tore through Scripture while I was gone about this invitation to to the table I, I've, I've gone back through my mind just all the different things what it means in my house we have a an informal table and a formal table and what it means when i invite someone to join me at the table do you know what does not happen at my house very often even those of you i love you don't just knock on the door at eight and say david pastor i just wanted to come sit at the table and have coffee with you right if you did that i'm not sure what would happen because the reality is you may know every morning and pretty much every morning i'm going to start my day with a cup of coffee at a table in our home every every day is going to start that way and so you, you knowing that you, you might be able to tell me you know what my pastor has coffee at his table every day someday you should just stop by and have coffee with him how many people are going to stop by and have coffee with me? Very few. And the ones who do are going to freak me out a little bit. It's a little strange. But if I were to tell you, and believe it or not, I've had this conversation uh, twice already since I've been home. And the Lord wants you and I to spend some time together. I want to invite you to meet me for coffee or i've got one i'll drive across town let's let's get together once a month and let's pray together i just want to i want you to invite invite you to enjoy me and god's done to doing a different thing on this idea of what it means to personally invite someone to the table and so i want to give you context in the in the book of revelation is context for for this sermon Revelation chapter 19 verses 6 through 9 is one I want to read to you and then we're just going to jump feet first in um, Because I referenced about 47 scriptures today. I'm just ready The Bible says this Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude like the roar of many waters Like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying hallelujah for the Lord our God the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. And it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. I've been asked a lot. My, my father-in-law, first question when I got back, my family, my friends, is, is, is how was your time? And I want to let you know it was different than I expected. Um, I had spent more time in prayer than I have in years past. I spent a ton of time reading God's Word and reading God's uh, just books by men of God. And, and let me tell you what the Lord has written on my heart. 
I am more smitten by eternity than I have ever been. I've been caught up reading the Old Testament about the return of our Lord. I've been, I've been, I've been caught daydreaming about what life eternal will be. I, I've had more fun. I have had more fun talking to the Lord about how much I can't wait to know what a full life is like. It's just, it's just been geeking me up. It's not a plan. It's not a path. But as I've been, as I have been captivated by, by the Lord, captivated by this, I, I find myself in Revelations 19 where it says, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And let me tell you what, I have just felt blessed because I am going to that table. I, I, can't, I can't wait for it. It has nothing to do with togas, harps, or clouds. None of that's in there. What I, what I have been just wrapped up in is this joy of eternity. I was visiting with someone the other day about this, and, and, and I shared with them, before I got married, I was like, Jesus, would you please just wait to return until I got married? And then I, I got married, and it's wonderful. And then it was, Jesus, you're so great. Would you just maybe wait till I have kids? I want to experience what it's like to be a father. And then I have kids, and there was a time where I was thinking, Lord, I would love to see graduations and weddings and, and that kind of stuff, and, and that's in there. And really, over the last few months, but in the last few weeks, like, here's the, here's the problem with that. I would invite you to my child's wedding with great passion, because I know what a celebration it will be. I would invite you to my family's birthday parties because I'm so excited about who we're celebrating. I, when I have grandkids, if the Lord doesn't return back, you will see them every phase of their life because I will be so smitten with them. But they are nothing compared to the joy and the life of being one with Jesus Christ for all eternity. <laughs> There's a repentable moment that says, I know why. I know why I, I'm, I'm scared to talk to people about Jesus. I know why it's hard for me to invite people to the table. And the reality is, is I am not smitten by the God of all eternity. Instead, I have let the idols of my dream lay a thin covering over my Jesus. Church, if we do nothing else this year, I want you to know how everything that you are was built and made for that day. And, and listen, we'll, we'll talk about heaven a lot, but there's a difference between infinite and eternal. 
God doesn't say when you go to heaven that you'll be omniscient, that you'll be all-knowing. He, he doesn't, so many of these things we've made, man, the, the beauty of being with Jesus forever is a fuller life, a sin-free, unstained, joyful, challenging, celebratory, there's dance, it's, it's, it's life. And if you and I live with a conviction of, of come and join me, whoever you are, come and join me. If you're my friend, come and join me sincerely. If I don't know you, come and join me because I, I want you. At, there's plenty of room. And, and this, is, this is why we come to church. To have a party every week. It's practice. You know, some of you are like, man, that's a different experience. I know. I know. Check it out. Listen. Revelation 19, verse 6. Read, read along with me. This is what the Bible says. It says, And then I heard what seemed to be the voice of, of a great multitude, like, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Listen, if you and I want to know what a life of true conviction caught up, caught up in Jesus Christ, it begins with a spirit that is set on being validated, having validation in our life. See, what, what John writes here is, is this picture of, of him saying, this is what I heard. And he writes it in the time of Rome. The, the, the emperor of Rome had just proclaimed one of his titles, the Lord our God. And what John is writing exiled. He's saying, you can exile me. You can kill my friends. You can do whatever you want to do to me. But let me tell you, most of all, the Lord our God, you are not hit. The Almighty reigns. It's this stamp of validation. Who I am in my heart will not be denied in being seen in this world. I don't care who you are. And, and church when, when John writes this, not only does it take the confidence of saying, this will offend the emperor, but he says, the Lord Almighty reigns. The word Almighty, it literally means the one who controls everything in his hand. The one who's, who's over all. There's nothing. How, how do we live with conviction? We have to start by believing what we are saying. Do you believe that the Lord your God holds and controls everything? Do you believe that? Even when he doesn't make sense, do you believe that? I was, I was running, and by running I mean run walking. Christy saw my splits, and uh, she didn't call it running, but I called it running. And I had my earphones in my ear, and I would walk a circle. Uh, it was about a mile and a, and a third circle every day. I'd walk it three times and, and call it good. And instrumental music in my ears. And I would, I would just pray, pray for you, pray for my family. And um, to walk four miles took me about an hour. You can decide if that's running or walking to you, but that's how long it took me. And, um, and, and the first day, I've got my, uh, my earphones in my ear. And it's kind of a secluded road I'm on. 
I'm just listening to instrumental music and praying, and the Lord says, David, raise your hands and worship me. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit Baptist, so I do this. Like, Lord, I, I love you. You are so good. And he said, David, raise your hands and worship me. And I said, Lord, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to raise my hand, and a car is going to drive by me. And they're, they're just going to think, what a weird kook, you know, whatever, you know. And he said, raise your hands. And so I... I raise my hands, I'm walking, like I'm fast walking, you know, I'm, it's, it's like this, it's not like slow, I'm fast walking like this, and I'm praying, and then I'm like, okay, I did it, Lord, and I did this, and like, keep your hands up, and I'm like, Lord, okay, and so I'm, I just start talking out loud, Lord, you are good, you are sovereign, Jesus, thank you for my life, I'm on this abandoned road in nowhere, so fine, it's in my ears, if a car passes me, they can't hear me, you, I'm proclaiming Jesus Christ, and after a few minutes, I, I put my hands down, take my earphones off, and there has been a man following behind me for at least the past five minutes, and <laughs> I'm like, Lord, you wanted me to validate you in his presence. He's like, you're a slow learner. Just follow me. Just follow me. Hey, church, I, this, this gentleman, he was speaking in a, in a language, and he stayed on the phone the whole time. I took, I got my, you know, my witness in shoes ready. I'm like, I get it now. I'm ready. And the Lord's like, no, no, this. Your witness was him seeing someone who was oblivious to he was there. Give glory to the God of God and the King of Kings. Validation. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? That He is the Sovereign Lord? And that through Him and with Him, the Lord Almighty holds everything in His hands? If you do, then you might live with conviction. Then you might might be willing to not have to hide behind something to just throw it out there but conviction has to be wrapped up in this validation but validation has to validate something it's not i i don't know it's enough to know he's lord of lord and king of kings but there's something else revelation chapter 19 verse 7 says that that validation plus expectation is really where our different otherworldly conviction comes from. See, verse 7 says it this way. It says, Let us rejoice and exult, and let us give him glory, the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made herself ready. See, what John heard was a group of people being expectant. Like waiting and ready. And I don't know how your wedding was. In, in, in the Jewish culture back then, the wedding started uh, with a betrothment and it lasted for almost a year. Uh, but you were considered married. You just couldn't be intimate. You didn't live together as married. You, that, that happened after the wedding. And so all that time was built up in excitement. And the wedding, how, how it ended with the, with the wedding feast at the groom's house. And after the feast at the groom's house, when the wedding was over, that's when life began. Amen? That's when it started. 
And so this, this idea of marriage is, is this two-phase process. And what they're, what they're saying here is there's an expectation. If you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you confess him as your king of kings, your Lord of lords, if, if you're doing that, then you have to understand you are living in this betrothal period, expecting, can't wait for the wedding feast of the lamb because that's where it starts. That is not where it ends. Isn't that crazy? That, that's where it begins. Listen, I know at my, my wedding day, at the end, I was, too, I was too rushed. I didn't want to sit down at a wedding feast. We had wedding ice cream and deuces. We were out. I couldn't wait for life to begin. That's expectation. You see, in Isaiah chapter 25, we get this picture of expectation. We get a glimpse of what this wedding table will be like. It says, on this mountainside, the Lord of hosts will make for all the people a, a feast of rich food, of well-aged wine, of, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all the peoples, the veil that is spread over all the nations. He will swallow up death forever. The Lord God will wipe away tears from all their faces. The reproach of this people he will take away from the earth. For the Lord has spoken. Write it down. This is expectation. We have allowed a false understanding of eternity with Christ to keep us quiet. And if you and I are going to live with conviction, one, we have to believe it, validation. But two, we have to live with an authentic expectation. I spent so much time in the Old Testament, in the prophets. And, and every time the prophet would say to his people, I'm, you're, you're sinning against me. I'm going to discipline you. I'm coming to judge you. He would always sneak in, but there will be a day. There will be a day when children dance in the street. There will be a day when you will see the Lord singing over you. There will be a day when the King of glory will come down. He will renew. He will restore. It's, it's, it's full of imagery. If you want to know a glimpse of eternity, just read Scripture. Don't guess. Don't what you don't need a book. You just let the Lord's word speak to you. Do you have an honest expectation that life with Christ is going to be so much more? Not simply better, but more than it is now. How many times have we allowed TV, um, uh, movies to create the most boring, utopian, sin-free society? That I don't rather be you know, burning in, in hell, having a good time than bored in heaven forever. Hey, note to self, read your Bible. Eternity, life with Christ, the wedding feast is where it begins. The adventures that you're going to live, the way that we will engage, how we will celebrate, enjoy the life. You're a fisherman. It talks about you'll cast your net and fish will be full. I don't know how that looks, but that sounds fun. I don't even like fishing. I, I just want you to see that perfect eternal life that awaits you after we eat that wedding supper is the beginning of the best. Do you live with that expectation? Or did you, have you just bought into the, this is the best and then it will be good and boring? If that's on your heart, you are not going to live convicted for Christ. And you're missing out. 
Because the marriage feast of the Lamb is where it starts. It is what they're looking for in Revelations. So if we're going to live with conviction, there has to be validation on our belief. We have to live expecting reality, expecting more, which is truth. But we also have to live in preparation. Listen to your Bible. Verse 8, Revelation chapter 19. It was granted to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. The Bible says it was, it was granted for us. In other words, you and I have the opportunity. God has put it down before you to clothe yourself so that you will look fine for that wedding party. Isn't that amazing? Like, like, you don't have to worry, ladies, about what to wear. He's put it out before you. It's a fine linen, this beautiful thing. Men, you're going to look so amazing. How? Because you will be clothed in what he gave you. You don't have to look through your moth-eaten closet of life. You don't have to say, well, God, I hope I get in smelling like smoke as long as I get in, if you'll accept me. That's not what preparation is like. It's, it's the righteous deeds of the saints. And God gives them to you. Ephesians chapter 20, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 1, 2, verse 10, sorry. It says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Well, now check this. Ready? Sorry. For good works, which God prepared before. Before that you should be able to walk in them. Or that you should walk in them. You're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared before. In other words, Jesus has laid out righteousness before you. Why? So that you can prepare. If you're, it's like dress up in a manly way, but follow me. It's knowing I'm ready. It's making sure that your, your feet are, are shed with preparation for the gospel. It's the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith. It's so much more. Do you know that, that God desires and has designed you to live with conviction about dwelling with Him and being with Him, that He has done the preparation for you? And your role, my role, is to dress ourselves in the garments He's laid out for us beforehand. You say, what are the righteous deeds of the saints? 2 Corinthians says it this way. 2 Corinthians 16, uh, 5 verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. All this is from God. All this is from God. 
who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. So we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God did you catch that Jesus came he lived a perfect life he died on the cross so that you might become the righteousness of God so that you might be able to see the righteous things that God has put out for you what are the righteous things of God it's for you and I this is it are you ready it is it's for you and I to invite people to the table you want to know what righteous deeds look like? It means that you and I, who are reconciled to God, are given this ministry of reconciliation. You might call yourself an ambassador, the Lord says, making this appeal. Here's what Scripture says. Do you want to know how to prepare for eternity? You keep putting clothes on that show everyone in this world you're getting ready for the groom to join you at the table. That, that's what it's like. So, so here's the conviction. If we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, if the righteous deeds are, are this ambassador robing that God has given us, and we are not smitten enough with eternity, or our life isn't validated by what, what we say and what we do, then are you preparing? Are you getting ready? Oh, man. You don't have to worry. You, 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 don't, you don't have to worry about what, what might be or what can be. The Lord has laid, laid his righteousness in front of you, and, and he just says, put it on. Just put it on. And you invite people to the table. You invite your husband to the table. How do you do that? You, you put on your wedding. Listen. Check this. Anyone ever have a daughter? Yeah? Check this. You still have a daughter, maybe? Did you ever get her dressed up for church, and that was the day they did watercolors in children's ministry? Yeah, yeah. It's like the perfect dress. You, did, you chose white for a reason. She just looks so beautiful. And you said, oh, those weren't your play clothes. Those, are your, those were your good clothes. Hey, why? Because we treat what is set apart for special different than we treat the common. So how do we live out this preparation, this ministry of reconciliation? We put on the righteous robes of the Lord and we honor him all the time that we're in it. Not because we can do it, because he set us apart for it. Because we want everyone to know they're invited to the table. Why in the world would I want to lose my temper at someone that I was trying to invite to be my friend for eternity because of Jesus Christ? Why, why would, I, would I look or act like I'm, I'm better than someone else? Why, why would I judge someone based on their socioeconomic world or, or whether they smelt like I want them to smell, whatever it is? If I'm trying to get them to be clothed in these righteous works that Christ prepared for them, if they might just put them on. 
We have to invite them in. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus tells a story about a king or throwing a, a party. And he sends his servants out. And he says, hey, listen, go and, go and get uh, the land, these, these group of people. Doesn't tell us who they are, just group of people. And, and the group responds back, man, I can't. One guy says, I bought a field. One guy says, um, I, I just bought some oxen. And another guy's just like, I got married, I'm out. And, and, and the master is so, so upset. He, he's so put out, so to speak. And he says to his servants, here's the deal. I know what they're missing. I don't want anyone to miss. You go invite everyone you can to this wedding feast. You go do it. And they invite everyone they can. They say, Lord, there's still room at the feast. There's still room at the table. He says, well, then you go out to everybody. And this is what he says. He says, compel them to come in. Compel them to come in. You see, you and I are the called and the sent. How do you compel me? There's two ways to compel people. One that's authentic and real and one that's horrible, right? One way of compelling people tends to be how we compel people to church or I was talking to someone about getting involved with what their church was doing. One way is to say, listen, things are so bad and so horrible, we need you. Right. Listen, um, things are so bad, so horrible. If you don't come, no one comes. Lord, I just, before I die, I just want one person to come to know you. On my deathbed, Doc, no one's ever come to know you, through, know the Lord through me. And so it'd make me happy if you just say yes. Do you know how compelling that is? Like negative. Do you know how compelling it is when I, when I tell you, hey, you need to know the life-changing Savior that I live with and I live for and I can't wait. And I want you to see what I see because he's given it to me. And then I go and live just like everyone else in the world. At Disciple Now, I get really excited, but tomorrow... If it's four letters, I'm in. If it's cutting someone down and gets me ahead, I'm on. That doesn't compel anyone. What, how would you compel someone to come to? I'll tell you how I compel. If I'm inviting you over for fajitas, I'm saying, would you come to for fajitas? Because... Listen, we have this marinade that's amazing. It, it's got cilantro and crushed garlic and olive oil. We put some cumin in there. We put a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper. It, it's a little red pepper in there. We marinate that stuff all night. I, we cook it on the grill. We're also, Christy, she has made this cake. It's, it's amazing. It's just chocolate on chocolate on chocolate and you need to come and we're going to hang out and play some, and bring your kids. We're going to have the best time. I'm just, I'm just so ready. You want to come to join me? You know what I don't say? I say, hey, we're, we're cooking. I'm not that good of a cook and I don't really have a, 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 a place for you to sit down and don't really want to spend time with you, but you know what? I feel like I'm obligated. I'm your pastor. Which one compels you to join me? How are you 
in the righteous robes of Christ compelling people to join you at the wedding feast of the Lamb. My fajitas are garbage. My presence is worthless because that wedding supper kicks off forever. Are people seeing the joy that has captivated your life and changed you? Are you living in preparation because you expect what Christ said to be true? Revelations 19.9 says, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And then he says, these are the true words of God. He provides the affirmation. You don't need to look to your husband, your wife, your child, your pastor, your friend. I, I don't need to affirm you. The Lord is your affirmation. If you are smitten by Jesus and you look a little bit crazy and, and people are telling you you're a little bit extreme, you're a little too excited, you're a little bit, you look to Christ for affirmation. You have been invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb and in Jesus Christ, if you've accepted the invitation, be so overwhelming it has nothing to do with me not wanting to be there without you I just want you to experience what I know I'm going to experience and I'd love to experience together come to the table let's pray Father God we love you oh Jesus Lord, would you let us be a people who live with conviction, with, with conviction knowing that, that now is preparation and that, that the wedding feast kicks off life. <laughs> it's the cause we, we live for. It's the reality we breathe for. It's the truth. Oh, so Lord, I pray that we would be a church that holds nothing back. That we would pick up the garments, the righteous deeds that you laid before us before we even were. And that we would be the called and the sent, the reconciled and the reconcilers, the ambassadors for your story. And the story is come to the table. Father God, if there's any person in this room today and they haven't heard the gospel, God, I pray that you would make it clear to them now. Lord, that they are invited to the table and all they have to do is leave behind what they've been living for and receive you as the Almighty God, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, and know that through Jesus Christ, Lord, you have bathed them and you will robe them in righteousness. Because just like the master said to his servants, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where they are. Just tell them to leave. Compel them towards the table. 
Father God, as your people, would you give us a heart? Would you change us? Father God, would we not leave this place with the same amount of vigor as we walked in? Would you amplify it? Lord, would you challenge our heart for what we're living for? And would you bring with us a joy that we haven't known or seen if we've been struggling? Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.